Peace and thank you, family, for tuning into Creative Habits Podcast. I'm your host, Philip Anthony. And I'm your co-host, Indigo. We're based in Washington, D.C. with leading discussions on topics surrounding pop culture, business, lifestyle, and art with an occasional guest appearance within the creative and entrepreneurial industry. What's up, beautiful people? Welcome to another episode of Creative Habits Podcast. How you doing today, my love? I'm well. How are you? I cannot complain. Today's episode is called Skulls in the Basement. Which focuses on a very sensitive subject matter. Please be advised that this episode may not be suitable for children or listeners that are uncomfortable or easily triggered. We will be discussing the ill treatment of human remains in museum spaces and beyond. All right, so let's break it down. What about skulls in the basement and how did you hear about it? A few years ago, there were reports and discussions surrounding the repatriation of traditional and historical artifacts. As of today, the Smithsonian returned a trove of Benin bronzes back to Nigeria. In an interview last week, Nairi Blankenberg, who is the director of the African Art Museum, explained that the transfer is part of the Smithsonian's commitment to fully investigate how objects have been obtained and the histories behind these items. She says that it's important that we acknowledge the role of museums in continuing to perpetuate a kind of violence that strips African people and artists of power of self-determination and representation and knowledge building. She also says that it's important that we recognize that we haven't been doing that and then to take steps to address that. This sounds like an extremely profound gesture which acknowledges the wrongs of the past. However, it still does not address uh, some of the darker histories that still linger beneath the surface, the conversations we do not hear much, but is public knowledge. Today we will be touching base on the resilience of racism when pertaining to the human remains of historical figures and other unnamed bodies that are housed in spaces for the purpose of research, archaeology, and anthropology. The most visceral and emotional of the restitution issues and perhaps the most successful to date are those that involve African human remains, skeletons, skulls, and other body parts. These human remains ended up in European collections through a number of encounters involving warfare, Egyptian tomb raids, and are grisly reminders of scientific racism and creation of human zoos. This last such humiliating spectacle took place as recently as 1958 when people from Congo were put on display for a World Fair event in Brussels, Belgium. So how did our museums become great storehouses of human remains? Well, let's start with the story from University of Pennsylvania. Penn Museum, which 
um, aired on All Things Considered in 2021, had 900 human skulls obtained during the early 19th century by Philadelphia scientist Dr. Samuel Morton. Wow. His research was used to lend scientific support to white supremacy. Just last year in 2021, during the huge popularity of conversations surrounding black lives and racial inequities, the museum issued an extensive apology for keeping the skulls and outlined their plan to repatriate them for an ethical burial. The new director of the museum told NPR, it is time for these individuals to be returned to their ancestral communities. Wherever possible, a step towards atonement and repair for the racist and colonial practices that were integral to the formation of these collections. The Morton Cranial Collection includes nearly 900, I repeat, 900 human skulls obtained during the early 19th century by a Philadelphia scientist named Dr. Samuel Morton, who sought to determine racial differences he measured their cranial cavities, the past, the part where the brain sits by filling the skulls with uh, peppercorns, then emptied them out and measured the volume of the seeds. Today's brain size is not considered proof of higher intelligence, and Morton's racist conclusions are not accepted by scientific community. At issues, um, the issues is the the way he acquired the skulls, mostly from grave robbers, and about a dozen are believed to have been dug out of Porter's Fields in Philadelphia, where poor African Americans had been buried. Over fifty more exhumed from a graveyard of African American slaves in Cuba. It was gathered unethically. None of it was uh, with consent. These folks couldn't consent, given their position in society, said Abdul Ali Muhammad, a Philadelphia activist. Samuel J. Redmond, the author of Bone Rooms, Unearths the Story of Human Remains, became highly sought after artifacts for both scientific research and public display. Seeking evidence to support new theories of human evolution and racial classification, collectors embarked on a global competition to recover the best specimens of skeletons, mummies, and fossils. The Smithsonian Institution built the largest collection of human remains in the United States, edging out stiff competition from natural history and medical museums springing up in cities and university campuses across America. When the San Diego Museum of Man opened in 1915, it mounted the largest exhibition of human skeletons ever presented to the public. The study of human remains yielded discoveries that increasingly discredited racial theory. As a consequence, interest in human origins and evolution ignited by ideas emerging in the budding field of anthropology. Displaced race as the main motive for building bone rooms. Today, debates about the ethics of these collections continue, but the terms of engagement were largely set by the surge of collecting that was already waning by World War II. Now, another report from Harvard among the human remains in Harvard University's museum collection 
are those of 15 people who were probably enslaved. African-American people earlier this year, the school announced a new committee that will conduct a comprehensive survey of Harvard's collections, developed new policies and proposal, uh, proposals, uh, and proposed ways to memorialize and repatriate, repatriate the remains. Other institutions have far more black skeletons in their closets. By one estimate, the Smithsonian Institution, Cleveland Museum of Natural History, and Howard University hold the remains of some 2,000 African Americans among them. Can you imagine that? Mm -mm. Um, the total only increases when considering museums with remains from other populations across the African diaspora. How many more sets of remains lie in museum storerooms across the United States, and whether or not they were collected with consent is un unknown. In our neck of the woods in Suitland, um, which is in Maryland, there are thousands of Native American remains, as stated on the show code switch. To summarize it, uh, it was shared that an ethnic group who believes the remains belong to them have been raising awareness for support to return the remains back to Florida for a proper burial. How did the re remains of so many black people end up in collections? And what can be done about it? The abuse and circulation of African-American human remains for research dates back at least to 1763 mm. with the dissection of corpses of the enslaved for the first anatomy lecture in the American colonies. The systematic collection of African-American remains, as well as those of people from other marginalized communities, began with the work of Samuel Morton. Considered the founder of American physical anthropology, Morton professionalized the acquisition of human remains in the name of scientific practice and education. Morton boasted the first collection of human remains at one point considered to be the largest globally. He used its subjects turned specimens to promote racist hierarchies through pseudoscientific interpretations of cranial measurements. His research resulted in his 1839 magnum opus, Crania Americana, replete with hundreds of hand-drawn images of skulls and faulty logic of racial categorization. His collection eventually ended up at the University of Pennsylvania. Only last year did the university officially announce the collection had been removed from a shelf display within an archaeology classroom. This demand of repatriation is a global plea by many cultures and countries who believe who believe their people deserve a proper burial. Zimbabwean President Emerson... Uh, Emerson Munangagwa. Thank you. <laughs> is pushing for <laughs> the landmark uh, return of colonial war trophies, such as skulls of Native leaders that were shipped to the UK and enslaved in Europe, um... In return for remains of British colonial... Oh, no, no, no. They were not enslaved in Europe. Oh. But you pretty much get the gist of it. 
they were basically. So with that part, I didn't mean to cut you off like mm. that, but um, it, it has been rumored that um, one of our spiritual leaders, but also um, a, a huge, um, you know, pillar of our, our struggle and fight to be free and sovereign people in Zimbabwe, Mbuya Nehava and Kagubi, um, their remains are apparently taken mm. to the United Kingdom as uh, trophies mm -hmm. for, you know, <laughs> killing important leaders. And, um, yeah, those would be their skull trophies that they would take back home to show off. And they're still there to this day. And they're being requested to return back home, correct? Mm. Yes, so continue. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, it's just funny that so-called civilized people, quote-unquote, are considered, um, they consider everyone else in the world uncivilized, uncivilized and, and, and barbaric, but when you're literally carrying the skulls of, you know, people who lost the war to you and you're not giving them back, like, wouldn't that be considered um, barbaric? Great question. All right, where were we? The call for the return of the Zimbabwean skulls comes after the country completed the historic creation of a statue of Wambuya Nehanda, a spirit medium and key liberation war figure in Zimbabwe's early fight for independence. It is believed that her head is among many other remains of chiefs and other traditional leaders who fought against colonial oppression that were taken back to the United Kingdom. Preserved heads found in a Brit British museum are set to stir up a diplomatic controversy, reports Eddie Knockhart on the heels of well-publicized plans by Chief Nicholas, uh, I can't pronounce his last name, Glocalia, to set off for Scotland's in search of Zuya Wosa, Wosa, Warrior King. Warrior King. Sandlight Skull comes news of another grisly discovery. Five dried out Bushmen heads stored in cardboard boxes in the back of a room, uh, in the back of a room of British Britain's Natural History Museum. So that's crazy. The find by Cape Town artist Pippa Scotton Scots Scotness Scotness made while researching in London for an exhibit um, and a book of culture and history of South Africa's... Kosan uh, people. Thank you. Popularly known as Bushmen, is set to cause a diplomatic controversy as new government comes under pressure to reclaim body parts of indigenous people housed in foreign museums. The National History Museum, part of Brit British Museum, has so far refused informal uh, requests for five heads, um, probably taken from the bodies of, uh, I can't pronounce that the name. The Kosan people. South African Bushmen. Um, either killed or executed by British troops in the mid-1800s to be borrowed or returned because the collection is so politically sensitive. After her death, 
French scientists made a mold of Sarah Bartman's body and preserved her skeleton, genitalia, and brain. Mm. These remained on display at the Museum of Mankind in Paris until 1974, but the remains were officially returned after several pleas in 2002. Meanwhile, in 2018, Germany returned the skulls of Nambian people killed during the German colonial genocide of more than 100 years ago. These skulls were used for research by um, racial anthropologists. Skulls from Germany, other African colonies, including modern-day Cameroon, Tanzania, Rwanda, and Togo, were also used in the uh, discredited research and put together by determined collectors. Europe has a long history of refusing to apologize for African massacres, so it's no surprise that skulls of African ancestors sit in the basements of their ancestors with little or no care. So how weird do you have to be just to collect skulls and for quote-unquote research? Um, when I had came across that code switch <laughs> show, the podcast show I was listening to, it really had me thinking of how colonialism has damaged so, like a large, a very large group of people. Mm. And it's a little bit sickening to the point where you think about, you know, it may be luxurious that, let's say, for instance, African countries or um, Australians, they all, they speak a tongue that is not indigenous to their place, right? So like, for instance, we have Africa who has several different African languages, but you also have Africans that speak English, that speak French, that speak Portuguese and whatever. It may sound luxurious, but it's like, how did they get to that point? You know, it was like a forceful way. Colonialism. Exactly. It was colonialism, but it's the same with the structure of museums where it's like these open spaces of items that were looted, like literally looted from other people that in, I would say, 2008 and before would say on the plaque if you go visit that museum, gifted by Senegal or gifted by so-and-so, such-and-such, when they actually stole those items. So just thinking about that, with artifacts and then learning that not only do they just have spiritual, traditional artifacts, they also had people's remains, you know, and still have people's remains um, for the sake they want to say for science. But really, like, why are we at the point where we're still saying it's a scientific purpose when you can just get that information from the actual people, the living people of that culture? It, it makes no sense. It makes perfect sense um, from for a person. I think there are um, for a person. I think they're above other people. They dehumanize people. They put them in zoos. They discredit black women in hospitals when they're saying they they feel a certain pain or. You know, something is a right, but they don't believe them because they have studies that say black women or black people in general don't feel feel anything. You know what I mean? No matter 
how much you tell them that you you do feel or you do have culture and you do his, have history, they won't listen because they create the narrative since they quote-unquote won the wars or, you know, colonized the planet. They think they are above everything and everyone else, whether it be humans, animals, um, the planet itself. You know what I mean? You touched on something pretty profound when you're like, they control the narrative. I think that's the point, right? Because when you have access to everybody else's history or everybody else's artifacts and historical narratives, you know, in written text, then you're able to write it from a perspective of your own experience mm -hmm. rather than the perspective of the people's experience that you took from. Yeah, so I just thought that looking at it or hearing that there are still people's remains in a facility that is supposed to... Um, you know, maintain the presence of history. I don't think we should still be at a point where someone is begging for the remains of their people mm. to bury them, to give them a respectable burial when you can get information from the people that come from the culture. It's not that difficult to be like, okay, can you share your story with us? Yeah, but they don't want to communicate. Mm. They want to create their own narrative. Some people don't see anything outside of themselves. You know, we know, not even just saying white people, just saying people in general. There's people out there who are egotistical, narcissistic, uh, narc uh, give me the word, narcissist. Um, they feel like they're always right or they just because they went to all these universities that that's created around their narrative they feel like they're smarter than everyone just because you went to a um a harvard or a brown or whatever you know predominantly historically white college doesn't mean you're smarter than anyone else when a lot of this information that you're learning from that they got it from somebody else mm. You know what I mean? A, a lot of mathematics and science and, and history and and a lot of like written texts that they stole, you know, from the continent of Africa and other continents in Australia, like mostly brown people. A lot of that, a lot of what they believe that they invented is not what they invented. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, even when we addressed, um, when we were sharing the information that we researched, something that resonated with me and like has been bothering me is when in the article talking about the Zimbabwean leaders that they were asking to like send their remains back so they can give them a proper burial. Mm. They're like, if you do this for us in exchange, we will return Cecil Rhodes. Mm -hmm. And, it's, you know, Cecil Rhodes was... Um, <laughs> pretty much the person that, um, you know, created or facilitated Rhodesia and did a whole bunch of different right. things to maintain oppression in the southern region of Africa. But um, it's not the same. To me, it's not the same because 
I'm pretty sure he was given a proper burial, mm-hmm. right? Even though he was on the soil of a continent that he colonized, it's not the same type of exchange. Like the Brits lit- literally took our leaders out of our country mm-hmm. to use those skull. And, and, and I'm, I'm like, I'm pretty sure like they did some horrific things to those bodies yeah. before they just returned them. Not the to cut you off, it. but I think that a lot of it is based in religion too. Explain. Because you don't see them digging up Christian graves and displaying bodies. It's mainly people outside of their belief systems, which also dehumanizes. So if you're dehumanizing the people, how would you feel? Why would you feel any type of emotion or any type of way about? Keeping bones, you know what I mean. It's just, you mind It's just like archaeologists digging up dinosaur bones. Like it's the same thing, right? It's the same thing. We're no longer considered as we're not human. As yeah, morally or ethically worth being treated as equal. Exactly. Mm, interesting. You know what I mean. So, just thinking of thinking about that from that. That that reality is, we're still trying to fight for our humanity. <laughs> the struggle and fight has never ended. You know what I mean? For like five, six hundred years now, like five hundred years now, we're still fighting for our humanity. We're still fighting for, like, a voice, a eat, say. A, a you don't see them digging up Roman bones. Julius Caesar, you know, you don't, you don't see them trying to figure out, oh, how did the Romans build these monolithic coliseums? You don't see them blaming aliens for that. <laughs> Every brown culture on this planet who has megaliths and monuments that's unexplainable to their mind they conclude that it couldn't be them that's building it yeah you know with shows like ancient aliens even though that's not a factual um show but a lot of the narrative is there since um what was the guy who was measuring brains or measuring skulls to see you know if Bigger brains are more intelligent, like, and I think that it's the same concept when you see not all but certain police officers from a demographic that's more um, aggressive with people of color. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same ideals. You know, they wouldn't do that to a brother that looks not even a brother, a relative that looks like them, or a mother that looks like their mother. You know what I mean? So generally they dehumanize us and it's ingrained in their psyche through the education, through media, through everything that we're not the same as them. We're not the same people. We're not human. So what do you think with what you said is um, the best thing 
for us to do, to just continue living our lives knowing that no matter what, from the eyes of the oppressor, we're always going to be the ones that are going to be oppressed. Go in Rome and dig <laughs> up their people. <laughs> no. You know what I mean? Go on the Carcass Mountains and start digging up their shit and, and, and taking it. I had to think a lot about it because, um, you know, we've come to an age now where the whole, uh, you know, surge of Black Lives Matter and, okay, let's talk about repatriation and all of that. Mm. To me, I feel like that's not going to really solve anything. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm happy that they're returning these items, but it's almost as if they're doing it because we beg so much for it, mm-hmm. not because it was genuine. You know what I mean? So it's always going to be something until we beg. But do we continue to be like, oh, you know, please do this for us, or, you know, inclusivity matters, and we want to be a part of your world when we know at the end of the day it's not because they want to, it's because they have to, you know? So mm-hmm. why don't we end up creating spaces or creating an opportunity to preserve our own narratives without the approval or the validation mm-hmm. of the people that don't even want us in their space anyway? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, f- I, I feel, feel like, you. yeah. I, I feel just, you. All I can say is trust a lion to be a lion. Trust a snake to be a snake. Trust a, a bad individual to be a bad individual. Skulls in the basement. Skulls in the basement. All right, people, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, comment. If you know any artists who would like to be interviewed, please reach out. We are open to interviews. Thanks for listening, guys. Peace. <laughs>